Radio 48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Election officials fire the starting pistol in the chief executive race, with nominations opening later than expected. Care home bosses float the idea of confining unvaccinated residents to their rooms and turning away their visitors. And a children's rights expert says the government needs to review its own actions amid a foster home abuse scandal. Dates have been set for people to formally join the race to be the next chief executive. Nominations will open on the 20th of next month, with hopefuls having two weeks to present nominations from 188 members across the five sectors of the 1,500-strong election committee. The chief electoral officer, Raymond Wang, was asked why nominations would open five days later than previously announced. He said the arrangements complied with the law. In accordance with the uh, chief executive election ordinance, um, the nomination period um, uh, must not be less than um, 14 days. And the nomination period must uh, end earlier than 21 days before the uh, polling date. The the finalized uh, nomination period uh, was designated, having discussed with the government. And the designation of the nomination period um, was um, in full compliance with the requirements uh, in the chief executive election ordinance. Polling day is March the 27th. Meanwhile, the Electoral uh, Affairs Commission's chairman, Barnabas Fung, said voters would be encouraged and advised to use the Leave Home Safe app at polling stations, but it's not mandatory. We understand that uh, the government is expanding the use of the Leave Home Safe in various venues, such as uh, dining places and things like that. But I must emphasize that the voting right is a fundamental constitutional right. The electoral legislation stipulated that all registered electors are entitled to vote, and there is no provision to stop a registered voter from voting. And I can give you examples that in Hong Kong, even imprisoned persons have the right to vote, and we have to set up a dedicated polling station in prisons for them to vote. The government has extended a lockdown at a public housing block in Wong Tai Sin after overnight testing found more suspected COVID-19 infections. Chung Bo House at Choi Wan One Estate was cordoned off at half past eight last night. While authorities originally planned to lift the lockdown this morning, they now say people will have to stay home until 7 tomorrow morning. They say around 20 residents are confirmed to have COVID or to have tested preliminary positive. The government has been advised to ban elderly residents of care homes who haven't been vaccinated from receiving visitors, taking part in group activities or watching television in common rooms. Wendy Wong has more. Grace Lee, an executive committee member of the Elderly Services Association, said the idea of a so-called vaccine bubble arrangement at care homes had been floated at a meeting with government officials. Speaking on an RTHK program, she said it was one of the proposals put forward by some industry representatives at the talks. The two sides are exploring ways to increase the low vaccination take-up in care homes. Ms Lee said it had been suggested that unvaccinated residents would have to stay in their rooms rather than joining activities or gathering in common areas. A member of the Commission on Children says the government must investigate its own monitoring of care towards foster children, following a report into alleged abuse at a home in Prince Edward. Priscilla Loy described the initial findings of the report as sad and shocking, saying they reflected a culture of normalizing ill treatment of children. An independent review found that staff routinely subjected residents to rough physical treatment and recommended all staff be replaced in phases. Ms. Loy says government departments need to review their monitoring duties. One particular investigation report is missing, and that particular 
particular report is from the government, from the Labor and Welfare Bureau and the Social Welfare Department, regarding their monitoring duty and the duty of care towards these children, the very vulnerable groups. And what exactly um, are the monitoring measures taken through these years uh, are important to be studied, to be reviewed, and to be evaluated. An elderly woman has died in a traffic accident in Yunlong that involved two garbage trucks. The 85-year-old was found trapped under one of the vehicles on Tinha Road at around 6 this morning and was certified dead at the scene. Two drivers, aged 56 and 60, were arrested on suspicion of causing death by dangerous driving. Separately, a bus was trapped in a hole that opened up in the ground at a Changkwano bus depot early this morning. The rear of the double-decker plunged into the five-meter-deep hole while the front was lifted above the ground. No one was injured. An environmentalist says Hong Kong cannot continue to rely on its three landfill sites to handle waste. William Yu, the CEO of World Green Organization, was commenting after the government said it would study building a waste incinerator in Changchoy in Tunmun. Mr. Yu said it would be the second such incinerator after the one-off Sheku Chao, which will come in line in 2025, using older but proven moving great technology. He said the consultation should be held once the government finishes its environmental impact assessment. Unfortunately, our waste amount per capita compared to other cities is quite high. And when you look at the experience, when the waste charging scheme has been launched in other cities, a significant reduction in the waste amount, that would be good. But I think at the same time, it takes time to build the recycling habit. So we still need some modern scientific facilities to treat our ways. Overseas, the United States has issued its formal response to Russia's demands over the crisis on the Ukraine border. Among Russia's list of its concerns was a demand for NATO to rule out the possibility of Ukraine and others ever joining the alliance. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said Washington had made no concessions on its core principles. The document we've delivered includes concerns of the United States and our allies and partners about Russia's actions that undermine security, a principled and pragmatic evaluation of the concerns that Russia has raised, and our own proposals for areas where we may be able to find common ground. We make clear that there are core principles that we are committed to uphold and defend, including Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity, and the right of states to choose their own security arrangements and alliances. The White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says President Joe Biden is committed to nominating a black woman to the U.S. Supreme Court. Her remarks came after U.S. media reported that liberal justice Stephen Breyer, who's 83, is retiring. The president has uh, stated and reiterated his commitment to nominating a black woman to the Supreme Court and certainly uh, stands by that. He has nominated uh, a historic number of uh, of judges uh, who are people of color. A majority of the judges he has nominated are women. Uh, that speaks to his desire and his interest in having courts around the country that look like America. The U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres has called for the release of more than a billion U.S. dollars suspended in a World Bank Afghanistan Reconstruction Trust Fund. He told the Security Council the Afghan population was hanging by a thread and daily life had become a frozen hell with extreme hunger affecting millions. Over half of all Afghans face extreme levels of hunger. The country is facing its worst drought in two decades pushing 9 million people 
closer to famine. More than 80% of the population relies on contaminated drinking water, and some families are selling their babies to purchase food. Lawyers representing an American woman, Virginia Giuffray, who's brought a civil lawsuit against Britain's Prince Andrew, accusing him of sexual assault, have dismissed his demand for a jury trial as a publicity stunt. Here's the BBC's Nicholas Witchell. Andrew's lawyers have set out his defence, a denial of the central allegation of sexual abuse made by Virginia Dufresne, and an assertion in respect of others that Andrew lacks sufficient information to either admit or deny what's been claimed. He says, for example, in relation to the widely publicised picture of the two of them, that he doesn't have enough information to admit or deny that there exists photographic evidence of his alleged meeting with Miss Dufresne. Finally, they demand this. Prince Andrew hereby demands a trial by jury on all causes of action asserted in the complaint. In response, Virginia Dufresne's lawyer, David Boys, has said they look forward to confronting Prince Andrew with his denials at the trial. In financial news, the World Trade Organization has authorized China to impose retaliatory duties on U.S. imports to a value of more than 600 million U.S. dollars annually. Beijing had challenged American tariffs levied on, on Chinese goods ranging from solar panels to steel wire. Here's Aaron Tam. The ruling allows China to take action to balance out what the WTO ruled were unfair U.S. fees on some Chinese goods, including thermal paper, solar panels, wind towers, steel sinks, and several types of pipes. Beijing is now authorized to impose duties on $645 million U.S. worth of U.S. imports per year. The dispute stretches all the way back to 2012 when the WTO set up a panel of experts to try to settle a complaint filed by China over what it said were unfair duties imposed by the United States. The U.S. Federal Reserve has signaled that it plans to begin raising its benchmark interest rate as soon as March. The move would be a key step in reversing its pandemic-era low-rate policies that have fueled hiring and growth, but also escalated inflation. Fed Chairman Jerome Powell made the announcement at a press conference. At the Federal Reserve, we are strongly committed to achieving the monetary policy goals that Congress has given us, maximum employment and price stability. In support of these goals, the Federal Open Market Committee kept its policy interest rate near zero and stated its expectation that an increase in this rate would soon be appropriate. Against a backdrop of elevated inflation and a strong labor market, our policy has been adapting to the evolving economic environment, and it will continue to do so. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 23,668. That's 623 points down on the previous close. Turnover is $73.1 billion. In currencies, the U.S. dollar will buy you 114.62 yen. The euro is standing at one U.S. dollar and 12 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 46 cents. To sport now. And the Hong Kong tennis player Coleman Wong is back in action at the Australia Open after he went out in the quarterfinals of the junior boys singles yesterday. Wong and his American partner Bruno Kazuhura are taking on the French-Swiss pair for a place in the doubles final. Wong is looking to reach a second Grand Slam final after winning the boys doubles title in last year's U.S. Open. A short time ago, they won the first set 6-4. Men's title contender Daniel Medvedev gets a day off after yesterday's five-set quarterfinal marathon. The Russian holds a 6-2 advantage over his semifinal opponent Stefanos Tsitsipas. 
in a head-to-head competition. 20-time Grand Slam winner Rafael Nadal plays the Italian Matteo Berrettini. Here's the preview from BBC's Gigi Salmon. For me, it has to be Daniel Medvedev against Stefanos Tsitsipas, a repeat of last year's semi-final. Will Medvedev recover in time? Can Tsitsipas keep up that level of play? And a quick word on Rafa Nadal. No one mentioned him for winning this title, which would be his first here since 2009. But he is two wins away. He is fighting fit. He is fighting hard. And it's going to be a very intriguing last few days of the Australian Open. Both matches in football's Africa Cup of Nations ended nil-nil after extra time. But it's Egypt and Equatorial Guinea who progressed to the quarterfinals. Egypt got, Egypt got past Ivory Coast 5-4 on penalties and will meet Morocco in the last eight. The BBC's John Bennett was watching. Mohamed Salah is one step closer to leading Egypt to their first Cup of Nations title since 2010, and he held his nerve to score the winner in a tense penalty shootout. Before that, the main question was how the end-to-end game had finished scoreless. Among the best chances, Ibrahim Sangare saw an acrobatic volley pushed away, and Omar Mamouche hit the Ivory Coast crossbar. In the shootout, all the spot kicks were scored except for Eric Baez, after he unwisely attempted a no-look penalty which was saved. It all came down to Salah, and he was never going to miss. Equatorial Guinea snuck past Mali 6-5 on penalties and would play Senegal, rounding out the last eight. It will be Gambia versus Cameroon, while Tunisia plays Burkina Faso. New COVID rules in the NFL, uh, sorry, new COVID rules have been introduced for the English Premier League clubs and for fans attending matches. The BBC's Simon Stone has the latest. Through a combination of vastly reduced positive COVID test numbers down from 103 in a single week over Christmas to 16 last week and an increase in the number of players with COVID needed for a team to postpone a match, the Premier League hope far fewer games will get called off. Injuries can still count, but in order to claim they don't have the required 13 outfield players plus a keeper available for a game, clubs now need four players to be absent through COVID rather than just one. The new criteria comes into force for the Burnley match against Watford on the 5th of February, which has already been postponed twice. In another change to the previous regulations, fans at Turf Moor will not have their COVID passports checked, although, amongst other measures, they are still being advised to wear face masks in indoor and crowded areas. And looking at the weather, mainly cloudy, sunny intervals during the day, moderate to fresh easterly winds. Outlook, mainly cloudy tomorrow. Temperatures will fall appreciably on Saturday night. Cold in the morning early next week. Temperature right now, 22 degrees Celsius, and the relative humidity is 77%. And that's the news at 1 o'clock from RTHK.
Welcome to the 123 show with me, Sadia Osmani. On the show today after 1.30, we go down under and get the latest news from Australia with RTHK's Karen Cole. So I'll be talking to her, I hope, with all technical things working well. After 2 p.m., a very special guest. Yes, the one and only Noreen Mir. Yes, the one and only. She'll be on the phone to me and this time... The tables are reversed. She is doing chinwag after two today as she's home-based and her chinwag topic will be the traditions of Chinese New Year. Then after 2.30, Andrew Dembina is artsing around again and he'll be online with a slice from the local and global world of art. That's all coming up. Here comes music to set on fire. In a time where my Catalina idol spent my last fuck on the title of my first car, my first love, where I got my first rub, where we did our first drugs. 